Hey, Church Online. You know, on Tuesday, we celebrated my youngest son's birthday, and he loves Great Wolf Lodge. And because Tuesday ended up being a snow day for school, we did an impromptu trip to the Poconos on Monday night. Now, Noel isn't the only one who loves Great Wolf. My whole family does. Now, we're kind of aging out a little bit, but it still holds a special place in our hearts because our first time to Great Wolf Lodge was the last stop we had on our way to Connecticut for the very first time. My favorite thing to do there is to relax in the lazy river. And some of you guys know that. And on Tuesday, as soon as we hit the water park, that is exactly what I did. Because I'm not sure why, but because it puts me at peace. It's like the noise of life just gets drowned away and I can float around and reflect. Now that might sound a little bit boring to you, but it's super relaxing for me to just sit and think. And as I did that, my thoughts drifted towards this week's passage out of Daniel chapter 5. And the more I thought about it, the more I heard God speaking personally to me. Chapter 5 is the first four chapters on repeat. Like chapter 1, there is a showdown in the presence of the king. Who is, who's God's better? Is it Daniel's or the wise men? And like chapter 2 and even chapter 4, the king has a dream that only Daniel can interpret. Like chapter 3, a lot of people are invited into the king's party. And like chapter 4, in chapter 5, the king's sin has consequences. In many ways, chapter 5 repeats chapter 4's lessons. And as I floated around on that river of joy, I heard the Lord speak to my heart. He said, this message is on repeat, first and foremost, for you. Don't get me wrong, I believe every message I preach is for me. Uh, it's God's word. Everyone who hears it is required to respond to the preaching of it. In fact, I don't feel right preaching it until God's word has first impacted my own heart. But I got the sense this time was different. God wanted me to know that there was something in my heart that I have not responded well to. Therefore, I needed a repeat on this lesson. You know, before Joshua led the people into the promised land, Moses, who was their previous leader, told them this. Deuteronomy 8 says, remember the Lord your God. You know why Moses said that? Because the Israelites forgot about God often. You know why that matters to us today? Because we do that too. We hear God's word. We see God's miracles. And then we forget. And God must repeat himself. Today we start a new chapter, but a repeated lesson. And I think God sovereignly knows that we need it. So let's listen carefully. Because God's word has something important to say. Daniel 5 verse 1 says, King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. 
You know, I like the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It says, many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. So we now have a new Babylonian king. Over 20 years has passed. Nebuchadnezzar is dead. The throne has changed hands a couple of times, and we are introduced to Belshazzar. But who the heck is he? Well, according to the Babylonian Chronicles, that is the tablets that recorded Babylon's history, Belshazzar is the son of Nabonidus, who is often referred to as the last king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. More on that in just a bit. But in chapter 5, Belshazzar is ruling as king, and he's throwing a party. Now, what's crazy is at this very moment, Babylon is literally surrounded by Persians who are trying to besiege the city. And yet this guy is throwing a party. Needless to say, he felt very secure. Verse 2, Belshazzar, when he had tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father or his predecessor, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. This party is not without purpose. Sure, there is some stupidity and arrogance at the root of it. At the same time, there is also strategy. Like in Daniel chapter 3, when Nebuchadnezzar gathered everyone who was anyone to come and worship the golden statue, Belshazzar is likely gathering people for loyalty reasons. He needs to know who's on his team. Additionally, Belshazzar's dad, Nebuchadnezzar, was known for desiring to bring back a Babylonian spiritual revival because apparently the worship of the ancient Babylonian gods had dramatically decreased over the years. Isn't that strange? Now, what I'm about to share is simply speculation. But what caused this decrease? in the worship of the pagan gods of Babylon. Maybe it was because, as I personally believe, Nebuchadnezzar was truly transformed by Daniel's God, as we read about in chapter 4. And as the most powerful person in the world at that time, his spiritual influence changed the world. And maybe, just maybe, when he started to worship the one true God, he influenced others in the empire to do the same. Just a thought. And if that's possible, here's an encouragement for us. When God changes our lives, we can influence people too. Just as Nebuchadnezzar shared his story of how God changed his life, what if your story, what if my story could change our family, our school, our workplace? And what if Glastonbury became a town once known for something else, but now known for the glory of God? Now, as the king gathers his people, 
Maybe his party was to boost their courage. You know, it was common practice for empires to take the sacred religious objects of a conquered people and place them in their own God's temple, just as Nebuchadnezzar had done. It was a way of saying, our God is better than your God. And it's possible that Belshazzar is reminding his loyal followers that just as Babylonian gods helped us defeat Jerusalem in the past, they're going to help us again in this circumstance. Now, where he crossed the line was using the sacred vessels like red party cups at a kegger. Verse 5, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Let me just tell you, God ain't playing anymore. You know, sometimes we need to stop playing with God. I love how it says immediately, like God finally had enough. Galatians 6 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Stop playing with God. Sin is no joke. And what Belshazzar was doing was essentially spitting on God's face. The most high God is to be honored not spit on. On the other hand, I want us to think about the nicest person we know. Like, they're almost not real. They never react or raise their voice. You got somebody in your mind, you know who, you, who you're thinking of right now? Now, imagine them getting visibly and even verbally upset. You know that if that happens, someone done messed up because that never happens. Well, guys, that's like God too. Seriously. I mean, yes, God is holy. Yes, he is to be feared, as scripture says. He is the judge, but also scripture tells us he is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And the reality is, is if we receive God's swift judgment, we probably deserved it. More than that, it probably wasn't as immediately as we think. God likely had been giving us chance after chance, just like he did with Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 6, Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Hey, why the third ruler? Well, remember when I mentioned that Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar's dad, was known as the last king of Babylon? Well, that's because Belshazzar was actually co-regent, co-king with his dad at the end. You see, while Nebuchadnezzar was off in another part of the empire, likely promoting this Babylonian spiritual revival, Belshazzar was ruling with him in Babylon. And so dad was number one, Belshazzar number two, and whoever interpreted the dream would be number three. 
Verse 8, then all the king's wise men came in and they could not read the writing or make known uh, to the king the interpretation. Then Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, does this even surprise you? I mean, why does the king keep these bums around? They aren't helpful, especially when it matters. But before we judge them, let's look in the mirror. How often do we keep junk in our lives that neither helps us or even makes us more like Jesus? You know, I'm really not a big religious tradition kind of person, but I have found great value in practicing Lent. It's an opportunity in my mind to take a look at our lives and ask, what worthless and distracting things do I need to get rid of so I can make room for more Jesus. Psalm 119 says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. This might be a good daily prayer for all of us as we practice Lent, as we prepare our hearts for Easter. Verse 10, the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords came into the banqueting hall and the queen declared, oh, king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In your days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Who is this queen? It's not uh, Belshazzar's wife. Bible scholars have differing opinions, but I think she is either Nebuchadnezzar's wife who is still alive or maybe his daughter who Nebuchadnezzar married to make his rulership legit. Whoever she is, she knows of Daniel and how God has powerfully used him in the past, which brings me to another encouragement for us. Did you know that we, as followers of Jesus, that we are like Daniel? We are men and women filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible says that we have access to resurrection power. Ephesians 1 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Basically, God's people have the ability to do impossible things because of his power. And we've already seen this multiple times in the book of Daniel, from supernaturally interpreting dreams to walking in the middle of fire. The question is, will we today walk this way too? Are we present in our community, operating in the power of God so that we, like Daniel, have the reputation of being different in all the best ways? Or do we hide and hoard our faith. You know, church, may we be people present in close proximity to our community, to people who need answers, who need hope, 
So much so that in their times of need, they come to us because they have seen God do the impossible in and through our lives. Verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. If you can't pick up on it, the king is insulting Daniel. He's like saying, are you one of them trashy slaves that Nebuchadnezzar brought here? Here's another truth. Even when we are present in our community, it doesn't mean we will be received. Jesus said, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. If they had listened to me, they would listen to you. Therefore, if you are a follower of Jesus... God has given you authority to represent him wherever he has placed you. So walk in that boldness, regardless of how people treat you. And in our current story, God has placed Daniel before the king. Verse 14, I have heard that of you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give the interpretation and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a gold chain around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let the, ki- let the gifts be for yourself. Or give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. You know, Daniel's words reveal his heart. He doesn't need gifts or compensation for motivation. He doesn't need to be liked to do what God has called him to do. The Lord, he knows this. The Lord has placed him for such a time as this. And may we live boldly with the same motivation. Verse 18, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. It's like Daniel saying, Belshazzar, remember those Jewish vessels you spit on because you think your gods are the best? Let me me clarify something. The most high God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to possess those. God was never defeated. God is always victorious and in control. In fact, he is the one who gave Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest ruler in your history, everything. Verse 19, and because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would would he killed and whom he would he kept alive whom he would he raised up and whom he would he humbled but when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him he was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys he was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. It's like he was reminded that, hey, Nebuchadnezzar in his pride did not honor the most high God, the Lord, just like you, Belshazzar. So God humbled him. And only then 
did he honor God? But look what Daniel says next. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Though you knew all of this, Belshazzar has heard Nebuchadnezzar's story before. This is a repeated lesson for him, but he did not pay attention because like Nebuchadnezzar, his pride caused him to act the same way, to dishonor the Lord. Verse 23, because you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Then from his presence, the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the, the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to the end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. The writing is on the wall for Belshazzar. I bet you didn't know that's where... The, the phrase came from. For Belshazzar, it's over. It's done. God, the sovereign Lord, has determined that his time is up. He has been judged and fallen short, so he is to lose everything. Verse 29, then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. This is a familiar story. Thematically, it repeats things from the previous four chapters, and so it's familiar in that way. But it's also familiar because it sounds like our story, too. There is a God in heaven who controls everything. Psalm 139 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God knows everything. He knows our past, present, and future. And his word also says, for God has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. What this means is that Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect man, he is the standard, and our lives will be judged against his. He will be on one side of the scale, and we will be on the other, and I promise you this, like Belshazzar, we will be found wanting. How do I know that? Because Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In our sinful pride, like Belshazzar, we too have rebelled against God, and only one verdict remains for us. Jesus said, one day the Lord will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. In that moment, we will be eternally separated from God and eternally lose everything. So as we close, I know that the atmosphere is heavy. That's because God is having to repeat himself, and he's serious. We must pay attention. A tough message sits before us, but it's not the only repeated message for us today. 
Because like last week, I want to remind you of the most beautiful verse in the Bible. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's a beautiful verse, but have you read the verses after it? Because verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. We deserve Belshazzar's fate. But because God loves us, we can choose, and he wants us to choose, a different ending. One similar to that of Nebuchadnezzar, who was radically changed and saved. Today, this is why the repeated message is given. God loves you. And he wants to save you. You know this. You've heard this before. So this time, don't pridefully ignore it. Instead, honor the Lord. And the greatest way that you can do that is to humbly surrender to the Lord Jesus. And when you do, God promises to save you. And the reason this salvation is possible is because on the cross, Jesus switched places with us. He exchanged his righteousness for our sin. He gave us his perfect righteousness and he took upon himself the punishment that we deserved for being found wanting. 2 Corinthians says, For our sake God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you need to be saved today? Then call out to Jesus. Honor the Lord. Then again, Maybe you're like me and you have already decided to follow Jesus, but you sense that this repeated lesson is still for you. You know, yesterday we got a light clip of snow. We already have snow on the ground because of Tuesday's storm. And I don't know about you, but I think snow makes the winter landscape beautiful. But after a while, the snow kind of gets dirty and it starts to get ugly again. And what yesterday's snow did was it refreshed the beauty. And in the lazy river, God gave me a refresher. He pointed out my insecurities and my pride. And as, a, as his child, he reminded me that these things have no place in his family. And so I needed to repent and honor the Lord. And that's what I did. Maybe that's for you too. You know, the prophet Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Jesus has truly washed your sins white as snow. But as time has passed, maybe the snow has gotten a little dirty. But today, God is offering you a refresher, an opportunity to repent and remember the Lord. Maybe it's because you've been too distracted. Maybe you've let a little bit of sin back into your life. Maybe pride has blinded you from the ways that you've been dishonoring the Lord and even justifying it. Whatever it is, here's my encouragement. Remember the Lord. Receive this repeated message and be refreshed by his love. Then honor the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and we do want to honor you, God. We thank you that you are patient with us and that you're willing to remind us of your word, that you're willing to repeat messages for us. God, we need it. We, we recognize that we have been found wanting because we forget 
we ignore and we rebel, God. And so we ask for your forgiveness. We turn from your sin and we put our faith in Jesus. And we thank you that because of his perfect life, we will never be found wanting because his righteousness has been put upon us. And so we trust him with everything. We trust him with our lives and we say, come Lord, have your way. Fill us with your spirit so that we could be changed, so that we could be healed, so that we could be saved. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.